Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Left Page. Yes, here we are again. It's a sunny day here in Brazil, a um, really sunny day, like it's destroying us. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 bad. It, we're melting. Yeah. Sa safe to say. Yeah. We're melting. So, Bruno's back. Yeah. Welcome back, Bruno. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> all. Yeah, um, I've been to Italy, I've been to France. My computer was stolen in France, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, those things happen. No, no, but it was a, a really fun experience. I had the opportunity to to use the language that I've been studying for the past three, four years, I think. So, yeah, it's it, it was a a really unique experience. I went to actually went to Baudelaire's tomb. Went to and it's the cemetery of of Montparnasse so it there was uh, as well Simone de Beauvoir Sartre so it was it was a really really fun experience yeah no the the, the important thing is that like i don't know more than just being a tourist you saw yeah. when there's like to understand a bit of how that culture works yeah exactly and you know, learn some more and go to the museums and places of such historic importance and that are really interesting, really fun. Yeah. So so that's great. Happy happy to have you back oh, too. Thank you. Obviously. <laughs> uh, you were gratefully missed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. You too. Like I mean, yeah, I, we were talking about this earlier as well. Like it's really bizarre to leave behind your your basic day-to-day -day schedule to do something that there's nothing to do with your with your routine yeah and it's like really it, it's really refreshing in in a sense but it's like getting out of your comfort zone a bit actually the whole experience of speaking other languages about getting out of, of your comfort zone and trying to expre express yourself in other language that's as well, one of the challenges here for me and Frank, who are Brazilians, and mm -hmm. it, it, so it's always a. I think in those moments of like a bit of a challenge, we tend to be a bit more invested. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I actually been thinking about this how doing this podcast in English is has been a really good aspect for me like for my formation as a person like it's been good <laughs> yeah it is a fun experience and like yeah. it's sort of it pushes us to read more literature yeah as well because we make the podcast about literature yeah so it's interesting how like supposedly we feed the podcast but the podcast has been fitting us as exactly well. yeah. it's been motivating us to doing this so, yeah yeah it's great so today on our special like pre-halloween <laughs> episode because yeah. as twitter has unanimously agreed we are officially in pre-halloween times yeah to the point where i for the first time <laughs> have made a halloween name for myself so uh check it out i'm not gonna spoil it yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we, we we are planning a special Halloween episode. Have to talk to a couple of people about that. But that should be great. I should also note that by the time this episode goes out, because I don't think I'll edit it before then, I will have had my birthday. Yeah. Which I will have announced via Twitter. It's weird to think of like 
I'm thinking about the release of this episode, which is going to be in a couple of days away. But we're in the past still. But when you're listening yeah. to this, you're in the future. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. 21? Uh, 21. Yeah. 21. Still a baby. Still a baby. <laughs> yeah. Then again, so are you. So, yeah, you exactly. Know. Yeah, we are. We are. We we are young. We are youngins. Still, yeah, yeah. youngins. <laughs> so today, uh, uh, today we're going to be talking about a very problematic author, uh, as <laughs> yeah. we are definitely going to touch on. There's no way to talk about it without talking about this. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, and most specifically, his short story, "The Color Out of Space." Yeah, which is. Uh, fucking horror. Yeah. As I've mentioned numerous times in the podcast, on Twitter, to other people, I don't... I'm not that much of a fan of horror. Yeah. Like, yeah, well... It, it, it's actually really funny, because I know Frank since we are three years old, so... Yeah. I know that Frank always hated horror. Like, not always hated or horror as horror, but... Always hated like jump scare movies and yeah. and the kind of shit that um, me and I don't know Enzo, which is our other friend since forever. Yeah, uh, he always also liked like Chucky and Alien and all the the <laughs> basics, but the other the other ones that have like jump scares. And so it's really, I mean, it's is as we were saying, like it, it's good that we have the podcast because you probably wouldn't be reading as invested as you are in in horror if we didn't have the podcast yeah exactly like i i I blame the podcast and most specifically i blame ash and john from the horror vanguard yeah exactly because they have basically turned me into fans of horror despite the fact that i do not watch horror yeah exactly <laughs> well uh, I'll, I'll give him i'll give him the fact that i did watch ash's art short horror movie which was the black tower you need to see it. yeah and you haven't listened to it yeah, either yeah yeah uh sorry sorry for shaming you in yeah, public yeah, like yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> it's okay judas <laughs> 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 but yeah it it is yeah, disturbing never... yeah. but like i can handle horror from like the sort of disturbing bizarre sort of uh, unfathomable that i can handle more like if it gets too creepy or too scary then and especially jump scares i just can't yeah yeah as i always say i enjoy sleeping at night yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah, this this is the sort of short story that, despite not being overtly horror, is the sort of thing that trembles me in my very soul. Yeah, I I think actually that the best kind of horror is that kind of horror that goes to your head when you are closing the door behind you and is is dark outside. Like when you are going to your room and you are finally closing the door and you creep between the the last sleeve that is left on the door and it, and you think that you can see someone and the, the door closes and like that yeah. feeling when you get when you're turning around in bed and you're like you can't turn your back because you know yeah exactly <laughs> i feel that sometimes yeah so yeah and lovecraft uh, also i mean paul yeah the, they are like... the the kings of talking about things that uh, it, it's it's that it's it's terror 
in in the most real sense of it because it doesn't matter what it is but it it doesn't matter what it makes you feel like the the sensations things to your body yeah as john and ash always yeah, say exactly yeah so yeah um you want you want me to give a brief summary or yeah, do you please. want to go no no okay so uh, i'm sorry i'm slightly rusty on this short story though i i th- bruno can correct me yeah whenever uh, he can. yeah the names i i i mean i just remember one i think the name of the son is tedious and the name of the farmer is uh, i mean uh, it's they are reasonably difficult names hard names so yeah i don't yeah. remember it yeah like we remember the general figures yeah like yeah we've been reading a lot as well yeah so like i we did look over the story once again because we had read before but these smaller details might escape us yeah but basically what the, the gist of the story is uh you have this sort of he's an outsider right yeah he goes to visit this particular little village and ne- next to this sort of small town and thing there was this uh, famous sort of farm, whatever. Uh, but in the farm, there was, or there is now, a crater yeah. where some sort of meteor rock fell. Yeah. And ever since then, like, <laughs> there have been strange colors. <laughs> the, the sort of the crops of the farm have been weird. Yeah. Uh, they've been glowing. It's It's strange. Yeah. So as time passes and people go to investigate, the crops have been like also although they look great and wonderful they've been they've been like grayish inside yeah, yeah. and look sort of bland and horrible and this, this sort of rot yeah and although, the and the animals as well like when they they describe as as if the meat from the animals became brittle yeah like it's this sort of like turning to ash yeah i think that's exactly. cuz the gray the, the thing is the short story is called The Color Out of Space. And yeah. there is these sort of colors to sort of the plants and especially at night. But gray is another essential color when describing like the insides, the actual content, if you will. Yeah. So what happens next is this sort of character goes to investigate what is actually going on. He goes like with the police yeah. and like researchers, right? Yeah. And they... F- what they apparently find out is that there was like this, uh, inside the meteor there was what looked like a, a broken egg of sorts, right? Like the the meteor was like an egg, yeah. And th- there seemed to be like the trail of a creature into the well that there was in the farm. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry for j- jumbling up the story. But yeah, yeah. It, it, then again, it's a sort of messy story as these go. Like narratively, they're never really linear. Yeah, but. What happens next is <laughs> um, these sort of figures, they're like, they're trying to investigate and what's going on because uh, sort of the main figures of the farm, like the family that were there, they sort of... Gone uh, mad. Yeah, they, they've, <laughs> they've gone some sort of quite discreet, like people haven't heard much from them, so that's why they went to investigate. Yeah. And, well, what you end up learning is that like the sort of patriarch he had locked up like one of his kids like his wife because they were sort of going mad drinking the water and eating the stuff so yeah the key was like the the general gist is that we get the waters being contaminated because because for the alien thing yeah and 
we have this bizarre scene where like the officers are like inside the house along with the narrator and there's like this sort of i'm gonna say light show outside where this sort of alien creature from the sky like looks down and this sort of exchange. Yeah. And it's bizarre and you don't really get what's going on, but it's horrible and they both they're all scared and mad. Yeah, and actually it's it's the part where the thing that was in the well actually like sort of reaches out. Yeah. Exactly. Cuz it's like sort of clear that there was something there like the people one I think one of the kids that was going mad ran into the well to jump down or Someone was dragged down, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, general stuff like people going down a well for strange, unknoble reasons. Yeah, probably nothing. Yeah, people like wells. Who knows? Yeah, but so that's what happens. And as uh, after the next day, has the the main the, the narrator and the others like sort of run away, seeing this sort of strange, peculiar alien happening um <laughs> happening yeah yeah it's difficult that, to find words that's a nice way to describe it yeah because it's not it may just it be just my happens yeah it, it may just be my memory because i don't remember exactly like because it's never clear like the communication the yeah. exchange that happens between like sort of this mother alien from the stars and the baby alien from the well yeah that's the that's the picture usually Mostly because we're going to be talking about themes here, since we're not like horror experts. Yeah. So as much as we're going to touch on a few things here and there, that's why we're not that concerned with the exact minutia. Yeah. So that that way too, that's our justification. Yeah. But actually, just a small remark. I mean, the the really nice thing about Lovecraft is you always analyze him in a sense of like like contrasting what isn't being said on the on the short story to analyze in a way like as Frank was saying saying we are not really attentive to the horror elements like as we were talking earlier yeah we always talk earlier <laughs> about the <laughs> the the things that we we're going to say but actually it's just like a bit of rambling about the short story to think about what we will probably talk but yeah, we were talking about like the the classical characters, like the farmer is the the sceptic one, sceptic. Uh, uh-huh. uh, no, the, the narrator being the sceptic. Yeah, yeah, the narrator being the sceptic, like and... sort of questioning that these strange happenings are really alien. There's yeah. probably just some there's some obvious scientific normal explanation, exactly. that sort of thing. So that's some like more theoretical things about horror. But I mean, the nice thing about Lovecraft is is just that like it has a kind of quality to its horror that is, it doesn't need to be visceral or mm-hmm. as we were saying, it doesn't it doesn't have uh, as any read. There's no jump scares in reading. Yeah. So you need to be better than a jump scare to write. Yeah, you make a good, good sense. You need to be good to write good horror. You don't need to be. Uh, genius to scare someone with a jump scare mm-hmm. that's basically it. and as we were saying like the pro- proximity of horror like i don't know stephen king paul they all they all have this general quality of knowing how to treat the thing so that we 
don't so it gets more like as you said like it sort of happens in a way that we as readers and the characters as characters just like watch this brutal bizarre thing happening yeah so that's that's where the horror resides i think it's yeah. a, a bit of a sense of incapability of changing what's happening because it's just like a supernatural bizarre thing that mm -hmm. no one can interact really uh, with the thing so yeah just just making a bit of a, a ramble about horror because i think that's really important like horror in literature is really different from yeah. audiovisual horror oh yeah and what type of horror we're actually talking about in this case yeah because it's it's the horror not of what the, is necessarily like well generally scary or it is like this is what lovecraft says like it's this unknown which is made to be terrifying and horrendous yeah. and evil and destructive Yeah, and in this case, it's clear like it's this alien that came from a meteor that is basically, and and that was is like the sort of the, the general conclusion. Uh, he sort of infects and uh, plagues this land now, and it, it, the the scary thing is that it's spreading, like yeah. the sort of contamination of the soil of the plants, especially the water, which yeah. drove others mad. So yeah, and others to be like their sort of servant. So it's um yeah this this is always a concept that horrifies me to my very core. Yeah. This contagion like concrete concretely like I don't think zombies are scary. Yeah. In the general like even like they appear is sort of disgusting and bad but like not scary conceptually when you think about this sort of permanent or continual contagion yeah like this virus spreading or this sort of thing and if your loved ones are going to actually go through it as well or if you're going to have to kill someone that you know yeah that that's i think that's where it starts to become real yeah that that is <laughs> that is bad that, yeah. is, that is bad yeah and in this case that's the conclusion that this thing is spreading Yeah, and the, that it is near like this sort of water reserve, <laughs> and that will co contaminate the entire town, and so on, and so on. Yeah, and it's this totalizing horror. Yeah, that will encompass all, and all will serve or die of anything because of this alien creature from outer space, the color out of space. Yeah, which is on the one hand, it is all of these strange colors. On the other, it is this gray, this rotting brittle ash like ray yeah yeah and we were talking earlier as well like uh, i made the remark that uh i think that lovecraft has he has a quality of him being self being such a broken person in in his personal life in his relation with his mother and his dad I I mean I think you re can really synthesize madness mm -hmm. in little things and because I I was talking about how uh, he describes the the color uh, out of space as something that it isn't actually any of the colors that we have yeah 
So, and I was making the remark to Frank, like, that is already horror because if you're seeing a color that human beings can see, you're already being infected. Yeah, you're already already, more than just human. Yeah, you are transitioning, basically. Exactly. (laughs) Which is a lot similar to the Shadow of Elizabeth as well, where there's sort of transformations also the case. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil too much, but, you know, just pointing this out there. Mm, So I think a good thing that we can start with, which I think is maybe the... Well, before we get to that, I think it's always worth mentioning, like, problems with lovecraft most of the time yeah so the the thing about this horror of the unknown is that this unknown usually refers to like the other yeah the other with a capital o like the immigrant or the the person of a different culture of a different race yeah and that becomes clear in various other even clearer on other uh, lovecraft short stories or how well He's a racist and a xenophobe and yeah. a general cunt. <laughs> like, he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic, or he was a fantastic writer, yeah. but he was still a fucking dick. Yeah. Now, that's always important to note. Yeah. And there are things like, okay, well, you can think about this and it makes good horror, but there are things where it's like, no. Yeah. Let's take an example, and I made this example to Bruno as well. There's a short story called The Street, and... What is the only thing good about this short story is that the, conceptually, the street is like like this sort of living thing that feels and acts. And, however, what is problematic is that the street acts as a response to, like, the outsiders starting to live in the city. Like, people of seditious, rebellious, revolutionary ideas who spread plan- pamphlets and whatever. And yeah. the street causes a massive disaster that kills everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those that subverted traditional values and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, I, the general I mean, angle of it. Yeah, I mean, Lovecraft, like this attitude, and knowing the general, uh, like the way he operates with his literature. I mean, it seems to me like he's the perfect example of not. Rep- I don't know if it's reprehension, like reprimido. Uh, repressed. Yeah, like a repressed person that actually judges the pers- the people that are exactly like him. Mm-hmm. Because as we... I, I don't know if you guys know. Yeah, let's just do a, a bit of a briefing of his life. Uh, I think his dad left him and mm-hmm. he doesn't even remember the name of his dad and things like that. And he always lived with his mother who said in all words and all letters that she hated him. Yeah. And actually... He found literature as the only way to kind of express himself, but not just that. It was simpler than this. It was like he read books to have a general sense of what it is to share experiences Mm -hmm. and live in society. Yeah. And because his mother didn't let him walk on the street, but she also just hated him so yeah he was basically like someone isolated from from society mm-hmm. and actually i don't know if you know the story but they moved and his mother knowing that he loved literature sold all his books i think i heard about that yeah so that's exactly the unique reason why he started uh writing 
mm-hmm. because he didn't have anything else to read. So he wrote the thing so he could read it again. Yeah, that makes sense. It, the the short story, as we were saying, the it's the beast. Yeah. yeah. The beast. When or the beast was, in the cave. Something yeah, and he's and he was like twelve years old. You, you, I mean, you can see that basically the only thing that he knew how to do in his life was that because it was the the sole experience that he could have mm-hmm. in his like confined life. Yeah. And I mean, as someone who's living inside of a house and probably saw immigrants and people on the streets and things like that, it's always like the unknown and the the other uh, with the capital O. So, I mean, he has a brilliant mind to horror, to writing, but that's exactly the, the kind of problem with not having the experience. Mm-hmm. So you can, it was easy to him to utilize these others as the, like, the the personifications of the mm-hmm. horror that he wanted to, because he always describes, like, the people that worship the, the gods are, like, most of the time they are, like, tribalistic. Mm-hmm. Most of the times he describes them in racist manners maybe 99% of the time so yeah i think it's it's exactly that case like he knows so well about isolation and madness because he was isolated and became mad yeah and at the same time he was that kind of that kind of like we what we see in american beauty <laughs> <laughs> basically like that kind of of judgment like someone who is uh, uh i just forgot the 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 word in english again sorry uh repressed uh, repressed yeah yeah it 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 seems a very reasonable account yeah because that's sort of the problem like a large deal of his horror is from this dealing with the other and putting the others as monstrous yeah as as this other that it is violent, that is creepy, that is destructive, that is damning to all. Yeah. So there is only if you take it far enough, the in the Lovecrafting world there is nothing but separation. Yeah. There's no sort of union, there's no sort of working together. The only sort of working together that we actually see in these stories are these people who go mad. Yeah. Are these people who serve like they're entirely subdued to these sort of higher powers and consciousness that are these uh, other gods. Yeah. So that's a problem there. Like, at the end of the day, and I will go off on this in a, in a little bit, Yeah. Uh, the short sto- stories of Lovecraft picture out how this this individual sort of portrays and acts, this sort of scientific individual. Like, yeah. Whether he goes mad or not, uh, usually does. But... It's him. It's the individual in society. And that's pretty much the large majority of we find. Yeah. We don't find these groups. We don't find the collective. Uh, the only collective we see is, in a, in a way, sort of cursed, yeah. if you will. It is put in a very negative light. So, as a way to think about it, it's incredibly modern. Because it focuses on this on or on these individuals. So, the communities in general, they're... They are either the cult, 
or they're negative and they're sort of secretive and hiding these secrets and they're bad yeah uh, or they're all committed to it or they're absent so there's there's no good community in the lovecraftian world and that's a problem yeah as we were talking like it's it opens up so many paths to think about like as we were talking like religion uh, we were talking about exactly this like Lovecraft portrays these people as like people ha that have gone mad mm -hmm. but in essence these people are actually making a choice to see the world uh, as we were saying like because we we remarked how the gods in in Lovecraft mythos they are basically like modern greek gods they they in, are in a way yes yeah like they they are selfish they are even worse than, <laughs> than greek gods yeah and they and they are like gods of mischief all of them so yeah. so it basically like who gets the better idea or who gets the best like way to control the, yeah. the people from the other dimension basically mm -hmm. and and that is as people who worship these gods uh, we were talking earlier about how they as a cult end up being something that is actually subversive in a way because having uh lovecraft white occidental way of seeing yeah, he, he tribalism is, if yeah. i'm not mistaken he's a wasp right white anglo-saxon yeah Protestant. yeah yep he's a perfect wasp yeah so i mean it's actually really interesting to look at how it's exactly that sense of the unknown which can always be like a source of new enlightenment mm -hmm. and new knowledge being treated as something that is obscure uh, it's it's like the same story with witches same story with yeah. shamans yeah like the the unknown isn't the greatest fear of all i think that's like because he it's what he's it's that classical phrase attributed to him like humanity's first and greatest fear is the fear of the unknown yeah and i think that's wrong yeah Or even if that is right in some regard, that is the unknown is much more than that. Yeah. Like to, to take one big and amazing example, which I enjoy personally a lot. Like get Star Trek. Like the the they're going out into the unknown yeah. to explore strange new worlds and civilizations to boldly go where no one has gone before. Like that is a necessary and willing search of the unknown. Yeah. And. Sure, and it's exciting, it's, yeah. Yeah, sure, it's, it's sort of scary and yeah. there are problems, but it's yeah. also exciting. Yeah. It's what they seek, and regardless of the result, they are willing to go there. They, yeah, they, they exactly. want to. Yeah, I think maybe what we want to say here is like, the unknown is the first step to horror. And then came, then comes the other steps. Yeah. Like, because there's no horror without revelation. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, there's fear, mm -hmm. but there's no horror. 
yeah, I, I, I'm not a horror scholar, and I know yeah. a couple, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna make any compromising uh, affirmations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that makes sense. Yeah, because I don't know, uh, and I'm being completely like intuitive here mm-hmm. about my own experience reading horror mm-hmm. because I know, I know more like I read polls and and a bit of Lovecraft essays, but what I can kind of get from these these essays is that horror, like suspense, is when you feel fear. Any fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of the known and the unknown. But horror, you produce horror when you have a shocking truth, known or unknown, that you kind of just you just show it a bit mm-hmm. you know like uh, i think that's what causes horror yeah a lot of both stories are like that right yeah there's this sort of twist uh, halfway through or at the end where things like oh yeah oh exactly oh because yeah i think in the color of space we know that there's still something there in the well yeah so that's the suspense but it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be a horror story if we never saw what's in the in the well. Yeah, if the well was just sort of there, it, 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 it would needs... be like. I mean, it, it seems to me that a story that has suspense all the time is more like a fable. Mm-hmm. Like ah, I don't know. Here in Brazil, we have like millions of curupira mm-hmm. uh, and all these these like rural uh stories and mm-hmm. and folk stories folklore in in general but i think that it's more like i don't think that it's terror when they say like ah that that was the hill that someone died and till today you you can listen the person who died there singing like that's a, a like a legend a myth that can actually be scary but it isn't terror because uh, yeah i mean i i I'm, i'm just rambling but i think that terror is like sort of like knowing when to open the box to the to the spectators mm-hmm. yeah that, i think that that's a good point yeah yeah it's like sort of how do you manipulate these various elements and to create this uneasiness I yeah because like th- that's the sort of horror that i can tolerate like the truly horrifying the stuff that oh give you nightmares that much i can handle but like the this the the slightly disturbing the perturbed the small somewhat creepy yeah that i can handle more yeah like for example keep going with examples like <laughs> i love and that is fucking horror i love bloodborne yeah and that is a scary fucking game yeah that is a horrifying game yeah and there's a this moment in the middle of the game And that is brilliant. So we're talking about these revelations. Like, you go for the first half of the game, you're killing beasts, they're strange, they're scary, but okay, you're, you're a beast hunt. you're a hunter. Yeah. Okay, you kill beasts. Fair enough. And then you get to this strange sort of old college, and uh, in it there's a lake, and you jump in the lake, and there there's this weird sort of spider thing, and then you kill the spider. Then there's a woman with, uh, I'll, I'll give a common warning here, uh, if you're sort of sensitive to sort of, I don't know, way too creepy, scary stuff, <laughs> and uh, 
bizarre because I don't want to, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, skip up some time ahead. Yeah. Um, there's this woman with it's like this. She sort of had, uh, uh, had given labor and whatever, and this sort of blood from her uterus. And you hear a baby crying in the distance, and the moon turns red, and you sort of pass out and wake elsewhere. And uh, weird, fucking scary, yeah. creepy. Yeah. And then the game gives a whole shift towards the eldritch and the scary and the creepy and space creatures. And it goes bananas. Yeah. In a really, really good way. Because yeah. like, <laughs> if you, because like when I play, I already knew that. But if you didn't know and you get to that, like, oh, wait, wait, what's going? Oh, oh. Yeah, what? because. What? Yeah, because Souls like is always like goth terror. Yeah, it's yeah. I I love yeah the goth horror. Yeah, goth horror is like what I can stand. Pretty yeah, much. exactly. I can stand the goth. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, it it, it is figures that we are well that we are already have seen like millions of times. Like yeah, like yeah. As we were talking, like vampires and the werewolves. Yeah, like, we're sort of familiarized. Yeah, with exactly. But then. Yeah, then it gets too disturbing. Yeah, and then you get this stuff. <laughs> yeah, like this stuff that we're talking about, which is just weird. Like millions of eyes and yeah. more than one mouth. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the visual, right? Yeah. That's the visual things. Like yeah. here, you're left to your own devices and your imagination, <laughs> which can be quite scary. Yeah, but the visual is—it's always—it's always bad and great. Yeah. So I think something I want to talk about. I I had noticed we've been talking for a little while. Yeah, it's been going well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but what I want to talk about is something that we sort of came to the conclusion talking about the short story, is that in a way it's a reasonable allegory to talk about like or a metaphor to talk about climate change. Yeah, because like okay, you have this strange happening and things start changing, but no one really like gives a fuck or pays attention or tells anyone yeah it all becomes like the sort of hushed secret yeah people just straight away ignore yeah and i, I just parenthesis it's something we forgot to talk about earlier when talking about horror um one of the figures that is horrifying in this story is like the family patriarch because he locks uh his, wife, his kids yeah. and his wife because they've been going mad from drinking the water as he goes mad himself yeah. And I think he sort of just poofs into ash at the end, right? Yeah. That's what happens to him or something of the sort. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, and and it's sort of this horror trope, which, of the, like, the working class, white, rural Americans, especially. Yeah. Like, the, this monster, like, think Chainsaw Massacre and other stuff, but, like, this rural figure is, like, this monstrous aberration of sorts. Yeah. And... Which is very well deconstructed by John and Ash and Brad as well in the one of the recent ep- horror vanguard episodes of uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is a great episode, and it it, it touches on that. And I realized because like you have the small town a little while away, and then you have the farm, yeah. and the farmer and the main farmer and the others are the ones going mad. Yeah. Because they're in the farm, and so on. of course, now it really makes sense. Yeah. But it is this figure, this human figure, that is showed most, other than the fa- the others being transformed, they show mo- most monstrous yeah. in the story. Yeah. And I, what, at least I think, that it sort of hits or is one of the first places where it's building 
on that stereotype of the white working class rural American like the, to be this monstrous this freak yeah you know, of course quotation marks so to speak it's the stereotype I think that's what it's building on yeah because um, and that's not good yeah that's not good yeah because basically as you were talking about like outsiders and and the the whole thing about yeah the whole thing about Lovecraft's life I think that as the modern experience we tend to do uh, the same process as the rural life and the urban life get spread apart mm-hmm. we tend to start seeing the rural as something more elder and more like like ancient ancient scary, scary. Threat. yeah like in, in a sense of like i mean there are habits that that people like ah no because that person i don't know it, it's just simple things that we don't do in the urban life like i mean we uh we don't need to clean we don't need to plan we don't need to clean shit from thousands of cows like it, mm-hmm. so it, it's really like uh, it's really easy not that it's not that these people have the right to do it but it's really easy to stupid people to look at more simple people simpler people and say like all oh, these people are they are like living this kind of life when you can be in your house with air conditioner and a computer so i i think that that's another like it, it seems like it, it seems like love prep always is talking about he's always showing the bad side of being a person just like him yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah it's it's not good folks yeah it's not good at all yeah but anyway that's that's a long parenthesis but an important <laughs> one i think yeah because climate change right yeah exactly <laughs> like of course there are many folks paying attention and who have always been paying attention but in the sort of more in larger power structures it's either being ignored or taken like the lightest possible measures because like what we see in the story is this sort of widespread transformation that can destroy all life at the end of the day but it's like on it's almost prophetic in a way <laughs> because it's it's outside the outside of all that is sort of pretty it's brittle uh no it's not brittle the essence is brittle but the outside is pretty it's beautiful colorful. it's good look it's colorful uh but yeah. the inside is run it's ash yeah it's it's gone yeah and that that sort of seems sort of more familiar and reminiscent yeah because like you think of the consumer world and capitalism and it's ooh pretty colors yeah <laughs> and it, it does that. It, it, I, I was, it was, I was not being facetious because it, it really does that. It sort of tries to draw attention to other things as it perpetuates itself into suicide. Yeah, because it, it, it it's simply that. Like capitalism will destroy the world and humanity. Yeah, and and I mean, if left unchecked. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, not not in this statical way, but I can really see like the general plot of Blade Runner happening mm-hmm. like in a in a real sense like i think that we probably don't have the time anymore to like stop the people who have all the money in the world 
And if shit happens, these people are going to find a way to enlarge their lifespan, even if that means killing other people. Yeah, I, I So, <laughs> basically, like, the general... Uh, I mean, the general society in Blade Runner is those bizarrely rich people that are unchecked and that live good conditions in a world that is post-destruction. And then there are the whole rest of the society, which is the basically the people who got marginalized. Basically. Yeah, I think think more, even more now than ever before, Rosa Luxemburg's socialism or barbarism is even more important. Yeah. So, yeah, good, good to remember that, like, in face of what could almost be, like, unspeakable, unknowable, unbelievable truths and horrors that will destroy mankind, we have the rich people doing that. Yeah. So, you know, if you need someone to sort of see as, like, an abomination, <laughs> we we have a list of names. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they're not that distant. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. So, you know, unlike the Elder Gods, these <laughs> people very much can be heard and can be affected by what's going on. Yeah. Like, that that's the thing about the Lovecraftian world. It's bleak. And we can't think about our world like that. Like, of course, we can't be like hopeless optimisms, optimists. They're like, oh, everything will be all right. No, uh, <laughs> action is important. Yeah. But, you know, uh, we can't just sort of be like, no, it's all going to go bad regardless. It's over. Then what's the point? Then exactly. literally, what's the point? Exactly. So, yeah, because uh, I'm in a quoting mood today. Uh, <laughs> Gramsci commonly used phrase, which is not his. I kept, I always forget who that phrase actually belongs to, but, you know, it's he used it most, so. Pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will. So it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, you you got to be critical about it, but you can't, like, lose hope. Yeah, you can't give up. Yeah. And it, 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 I'm sorry for being in the quoting mood, but <laughs> last one, I promise. <laughs> um, this is from one of my, 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 my favorite boy, uh, Walter Benjamin, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, we, we have hope for the hopeless ones. Yeah. Because of the hopeless ones. Yeah. Or, or rather, no, rather, uh, it is for the hopeless ones that we have hope. Yeah. So you know, it, I think that's it. Yeah. And that's sort of the point. Like you know, it's it may be fucked, but it's never over. Yeah, exactly. That that's the, the good distinction to make. Like we can't give up. Simply can't. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where have we gone? <laughs> yeah. Sorry for monologuing a bit. Yeah, no, no, no. That's not the like. <laughs> that's not the problem. It's just like, uh, uh, I, I mean, I think that's the point of good literature. We just like flew off, of the story, but we are talking about all of like little aspects that are treated in the story. Exactly, like it sort of boosts us forward. Yeah, and at the same time, and. Well, that's why it's literature. Like, we see it, okay, we see these problems, we see these issues, but we also see these other things. Yeah. Like, that's the critical stance. Exactly. The dialectic like, stance. Yeah, we've been, lots of other works we've been talking about are like 
good works that we really like and yeah. that we don't see many problems with. Exactly. Be it with because of what they are, like short stories or larger novels that have been treated up a lot. Though, to be honest, our very first episode, we made harsh critiques of 1984, yeah. Fahrenheit 451. I made a yeah. bunch, especially on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Brave New World. Yeah. Mostly Brave New World. I Do you believe it? Uh, this is a fucking big tangent. But anyway, we're here. <laughs> we never talked about how much uh, Brave New World is a bore to read. Yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying to read yeah. nowadays. So the way it's written yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. so you just had to get that out of the way <laughs> about... 11 episodes after. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I definitely <laughs> think th- this is, this is, yeah, this and, was a great choice. And, uh, and, uh, and, and talking about Brave New World, the edition that I have, which is from Global Editions, the preface is from Olavo de Carvalho. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he's the, he's the cunt that sort of, he's delusional, yeah. basically. And he's the cunt yeah, who's uh, like, mostly like at, at at best he's like a sort of imagine the equivalent of like the intellectual dark web but much 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 fucking worse yeah he's like a, an even worse Jordan b peterson if that can be believed yeah yeah but yeah. he is yeah he's much worse yeah yeah so yeah that's that's bad he he actually said that adorno is the fifth beetle oh yeah he does say that <laughs> We're not joking, by the way. <laughs> yeah, We're deadly serious. <laughs> and he he's considered and he's considered like an intellectual, and even more, he's the like the right arm from from President Jair Bolsonaro. Yeah. So yeah, he's like that, he's the, that's the point that we reached here in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, he's the person that's bringing the ideas of cultural Marxism. Yeah, uh, as an enemy to be fought here in Brazil. Yeah, he drinks a lot of it from the US and all that. Yeah. So he's a horrible human being. Yeah, basically does. Basically. <laughs> so that that was good tangents. But tangents. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh any final remarks or comments? Anything else you want to say? Actually I don't know, yeah. I mean that's another just a small little final remark about Lovecraft. It kind of, in a good way, it seems like all the stories are really like alike mm-hmm. in all of of Lovecraft because it's always about this bizarre experience being told and you being enlightened by it, like knowing about it. To actually, that's the point. Like discovering the horror brings you the enlightenment necessary to, I don't know fight this horror or flee from this horror usually flee or yeah. die yeah because i think that's the problem like these forces are uh inevitable yeah they're undefeatable yeah so yeah and to to go off on what you were saying uh if you don't mind or anything else no no um these gods they're incredibly modern like they're individualistic to the extreme yeah like that's why they're worse than the greek gods the greek gods at the very least they could work together they would form alliances they would oppose each other these don't and <laughs> I, I another example is like the war warhammer 40ks like the chaos gods they all, all sort of like work towards the same goal but they all hate each other <laughs> and they can't work together like to save themselves 
And it, it is very much this idea. These are individualistic gods to the extreme. These are modern gods. Yeah. On the very real sense of modernity. Yeah. Like they are capitalist gods. They're individualistic. Yeah. They serve themselves and that's it. Yeah. Like there, there is nothing else. So there truly is like even in this supposedly religious community or sort of cult community. Yeah. It all serves these godly individuals these these godlike creatures that are in individuals at the end of the day yeah it all serves them so it serves nothing else it serves no other group or force or objective no it serves these creatures yeah these individuals and it feeds into them so at the end of the day what we do see in, in the outer gods and the chaos gods we see pure individualism with raw power given form in the most obvious example possible when what becomes is not like there could ever be any community from any of them yeah that's why it's this sort of mind control that's why this subjugation yeah because there is no community there's only power yeah because it's all individual yeah and who can exert them their powers in the most dominant way exactly that's that's the only point that's the only way it works yeah so yeah, that's that's one way to think about. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I think and I, I yeah, was. I think we should come back to Lovecraft soon. Because, oh, we will. Yeah, we spe- with others as well. We we have some things planned, and I'm talking with a couple of people. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's gonna be Halloween soon. Yeah. So as we said, this is our pre-Halloween. So. It's plenty of time to talk about horror. Yeah. Uh, of course, as I spoke with Bruno, I'll only go so far, but he can go further. I, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, please help support us on Patreon if you can. Yeah. We have a couple of content to release there soon, and we should, like, next week or the other at the latest. Yeah. So that should be fun. Other than that, we we've been working on a couple of different like sort of collaborations. It it's gonna be great. It's yeah. gonna be great. Uh, we promise you that. And yeah, if you like, you can follow us on Twitter at, at @leftpagepod. Uh, I'm usually there. Uh, Bruno's also on Twitter. Yeah, rarely, but rarely. <laughs> but it's there, like, uh, Bruno has escaped, or he's never been there. But, yeah, but I've never entrapped. been there. Yeah. I've been entrapped. I can't yeah. go back. Only for now. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe someday. We can dream. But yeah. Also, leave us iTunes reviews if you can. Yeah. Uh, we love we really them. appreciate yeah. them and we'll read them on air. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, everyone, uh, for our patience, for the time. It's This podcast has been a blast. Yeah, it's and always we're, a pleasure. We're happy with it a lot. So, thank you so much for listening. And to the next one.